So it's seven metres out. Australia needs to try to win the game. Cobain takes the line out. Australia trying to drive ahead. Regan again. And Larkham. Kefu. Welcome back, another running rugby podcast coming to you, Archie, Toby and Leo. We're here, I'm not saying that we're super enthusiastic to be here this week after what was a record-breaking loss by the Wallabies to the All Blacks in Bledisloe 3, 43-5. That's two weeks in a row where the Wallabies have failed to score more than one try versus this All Blacks team. We saw, obviously, the debutants come out... Um, between Noah, Ire Simone, uh, Tate McDermott, Fraser McGrath, there were a few sort of, few sort of sparks, maybe some areas, glints of hope in that. But guys, you must you must be losing hope in the Wallabies, even after what this is the Rennie Wallabies. This is supposed to be the start of a new era, but it feels like a whole bunch more of the same at the moment. It's it is very early. And while it's super disappointing to suffer a record defeat at this early stage of this cycle with a new group of players that we didn't want to see sort of mentally tarnished by, by results like this against the All Blacks, who we play most frequently of anyone else, um, you know, in perspective, these guys were getting blooded. We had a number of injuries, particularly in the fly half, group which which forced Rennie's hand to, to put in the debutant and it didn't come off and I think you know this doesn't say that Noah isn't uh, capable at this level uh, you know could, could you pick aside from being in a World Cup finals playoff or something like can you pick a bigger uh, event for for two teams than like a deciding match for the Bledisloe to to debut uh, even though it was at home, that that might have given him some confidence that this could work, work out. But um, yeah, like unfortunately, Noah and Iray didn't really get a lot of opportunities in open space to play. Um, you know, you compare it to the Brumbies setup where the where the forwards are giving you all the space and all the forward momentum. It's a very different situation. Um, so we didn't see a lot of that. And then I really didn't like seeing Noah defending at the back. This is back to the Quade Cooper, Kirtley Beal, some degree Bernard Foley at times playbook where you hide your ten, who you're a bit worried about being either fragile or you know a weakness in defence, and it just showed how <laughs> how weak we are beyond the first line. Noah couldn't make a a touch on anyone in defence. Yeah, and you wonder whether that's Matt Taylor's influence being the defensive coach. Is that his idea? Is that Rennie's idea? We're never a fan of it. I think here it got exposed. You could you could say it's a good tactic if it works, but I think there's too many opportunities against the All Blacks where there's broken play, where there's counterattack. And, you know, defending in that in that fullback position, you need to be experienced with that. There's a certain way of doing that. You need, you know, a lot of pace off the mark to get across to someone if they've made a break because they're already at top speed. And, yeah, Richie Maonga, he goes through that gap around BPA and 
suddenly Noah's exposed and he, he barely gets a hit on him, which is really disappointing. And I think it's going to knock Noah's confidence as well if you have an early moment like that in the game. Um, you know, it was great to see him score that try when we did actually make a break and had some front football. And I think he does have potential in the test arena. Um, but for now, I think it's a bit too early for him. I think, you know, like Leo says, having Simone next to him would have given some comfort in terms of combinations. But again, another ex- inexperienced player. And yeah, it's just, you know, we've lost both our playmakers now um, who are experienced veterans. And, and now we have to try some things. And it's it's going to be a little bit hit and miss, I think, for the time being. So who was, out of the Wallabies guys, who was a player that you thought um, stood up in this game and who was your biggest disappointment? Um, for me, I'd say still Marika did some things in defence. I thought they were amazing. Obviously, that covering tackle where he slid in and, and got under Caleb yeah, Park, okay. I thought was an amazing piece of work. Also... He flew out of the line um, early on as well. And the All Blacks were attacking and, and got a shot on someone. He's, he's an elite defender. Um, it's a shame we don't have more like him in the back line. I know Dalgunu is kind of in that mould as well. But as we saw in that early in those early minutes, he can get a few things wrong and ended up with a yellow card. So I think Marika still is just... He brings it week to week. He's consistent. You know, we saw him drop a bit of ball in the... Eden Park test, but look, he, he was right back on it in this one. And I think he's one of the first guys still picked in the team and he's he's living up to that name. So I think he's he's definitely someone that was a bright point. Someone I was disappointed in. Look, is there was a few of them. Yeah. Um I don't want to pick on Noah. I think I was disappointed in his performance, but I think it's very difficult to criticize someone in the debut test against the All Blacks. Um I don't know. It's it's hard to identify one person that was disappointing. I think there were a lot of people that were pretty average. I was saying before, Alalatoa was pretty invisible. I thought at tight head coming in for Taniella, he'd bring a lot more to the table than he did. Mm. Um, so that was, yeah, disappointing for me. But there were quite a few people that just quite average rather than terrible, in my opinion. What about you, Leo? Yeah, overall, I, I think there were there were a few bright spots and generally... Um, everyone was a bit um, put off by the way this game started and played out. Um, Jordan Pateo, was really good to see him get through the game, um, looked strong carrying the ball, looked strong in defence. I don't don't remember him making any really critical misreads. Um, you know, that's hopefully a, a piece there in the back line where we're going to get some continuity going forward if he can stay healthy, um, build some, some defensive combinations around him um that'll that'll really help so bright spot for me there um there's lots of there's lots of moments that you you really wish players um did a better job one one for me the very early on um contact with caleb clark in the air from dalgunu albeit bumped off by sam kane but I, i just can't see how these athletes that spend all this all this time in training you know, not just not just training those situations, but training any situation where you're catching a ball, where you're having to make a judgment on, you know, running down a tack, running down a player and making a tackle. Like it's all just projectile motion, right? It's all timing and contact. And if you can't see as you sprint towards this player um, that you're going to get there too early, if you're not going to slow up or 
go right to the point of no return and then bail out, even if you throw yourself flat on the ground just to avoid the contact and avoid the penalty. Like, we just can't... We can't be giving up penalties like that. Conceding a yellow card in, like, the third or the sixth minute or whatever it was, it was so early in the game. And from one of our really, like, high adrenaline and high energy players who you know, probably really pumps up the team when he does something really well. It just put a huge heads down um, on, on our side. And, you know, it evened up a bit with Geordie's elbow um, coming through on Haylet Petty a bit later. But, you know, really the All Blacks had taken the momentum and were, were just putting runs on the board at that point. And we, it's really disappointing with, with guys making those sorts of errors. There's errors that you can't control, like a, a knock-on or, you know, from good contact or... Mm. Um, you know, combination work in like lineouts and scrums, but individual efforts like that that fall apart and concede penalties and then give cards like it's just unforgivable. Who, who's the player now for the All Blacks that you're you're most scared of? Like in a game that you just know can change a game. Is it is it Moanga? I mean, he just showed out this week. Obviously, put to bed any sort of question over who's the top ten. Um, in New Zealand is. I feel like he can always just turn a game on his head. Is it him? Is there anyone else that you're just afraid of having to face up against? Moanga's number one. Like, this this is the first game where we weren't putting all that extra contact on him and maybe because we were on such a back foot and, and he was sort of involved in all the attack and running away from us, we didn't get the chance. But he's definitely elite no matter where he appears in the back line and he's got the pace to boot with all the skills so um like i would have definitely you could have kept, caught me saying the same thing about bone barrett probably four years ago i think moang is another level on that i think the scary thing is that yes we're seeing now we're starting to see the best of moanga and i think he's he's almost showing the the form that he does for the crusaders at an all blacks level which is even more scary um but what's what was intriguing to me? I think Bowden is starting to really, um, you know, get a good feel for that fifteen jersey at an All Blacks level as well, which is a bit scary in combination with Moanga having those options, having the pace and counter attacking ability of Barrett at the back, and having the real poise and direct running, you know, smart passing and kicking game of Moanga in the front line. They don't have a whole lot of weaknesses there for playmaking and. Mm that means that you can really double down on some of the bigger ball carriers. Um, Caleb Clark, obviously, he's always a threat now that we're looking out for. Um, but I think we'll talk about in in the selections, but I think someone like Nani Laomapi this week, um, um, and I know Richie's not going to be there, but even guys like that, I think, through the midfield um, could potentially be an option now for the All Blacks. Um, having a big 12, having a big 13 and really doubling down on those ball carriers. And I think they're talking about physicality in the forwards. Um, you know, they're making a thing of it online about how the All Blacks forwards now have the physicality and the size to match teams like the Springboks in England. And I don't think necessarily they've been struggling in that area too much in the past. Maybe from last year's World Cup, there's a bit of a hangover, a bit of a hang-up maybe on that aspect. But through the forwards, I still think Sam Kane now is just an elite performer. And I had my doubts about him being the captain and the full-time seven, given Artie Sevilla's, um, you know, level of play over the last few years. But Sam Kane, it's almost like that Richie McCaw kind of vibes for him now that he 
is so consistent, so dominant at the breakdown. He's cheeky. Like, he, he gets little steals here and there that you don't mm. think are possible. Um, yeah, and just the, the consistency for me from Sam Kane. He's not necessarily ball in hand, a guy you're going to worry too much about, but I think on the other side of the ball, he's someone that's a major threat that the Wallabies always need to be conscious of. He does seem to be playing through just about every kind of condition as well. Like, he's been knocked around. He's been... You know, split open and I think he was concussed and well that might have been in super rugby but he no, seems to just be yeah he seems to be shaking a lot of this stuff off and coming back and still having the um still having the awareness to go for things like the like the standing strip on a ball run which the All Blacks seem to be bringing more into their game like we're we're obviously showing them something that says we're we're not securing the ball well enough in contact and now they're mm. picking it off before we even hit the ground so. You know, we might be committing extra guys up the back of a runner and all of a sudden the ball's not there and they're out the back and they're around behind us. So, um, yeah, Sam Kane's definitely looking very good. And they've got so many guys they can rotate through that back row uh, for, for different variety. This week we're going to see another permutation again. But just, you know, there's there's very few that you sort of look at and go, oh, good, that's a, that's a nice um, sort of B-grade back row for mm-hmm. us. There'll be, there'll be some dominance at the ruck. There'll be some dominance... Um, out out wide, it's it's just not the case when you play the All Blacks. So before we go on, obviously New Zealand clinches the Bledisloe another year. Australia has to wait until we get another chance. It's getting close to that twenty year mark since we've held the Bledisloe Cup, which is um, a depressing depressing thought. But we get one more chance to regain a little bit of respect and put a little bit of a thought in the back of the All Blacks mind for next um, year next week. We did have a few other games on the weekend, the final round of the Six Nations 2020, um, before we start this Autumn Nations Cup in two weeks as well. So we had Wales hosting Scotland, going down to Scotland at home, 14-10. to England clinching the Six Nations Cup, 34-5, taking on Italy and Rome. Um, and then probably the most entertaining, France, Ireland. France taking this, 35-27, ruining the chance of Ireland... Um, upsetting England with this, but it was really every time now I watch this young French team. Um, it's it's what I hope to see from sort of this younger Wallabies team come through. There's so much excitement in their play and a lot of confidence to go along with some really good skills, um, especially when you look at their sort of Dupont Natamac um, combination nine ten. Um, but yeah, so that that puts to get the bed Six Nations, and we've got two weeks to wait till. Um, we add a few more nations into that championship for the rest of the year. Yeah, a bit disappointing that England just ends up winning the title after having a pretty, I wouldn't say comfortable, but it, I mean, in the end, it was quite comfortable against Italy. At times, there was a bit of challenge there from the Italian team, and it was 10-5 for a stretch of that game. But look, I, I kind of wanted Ireland to come out and batter France over in Paris, but they seem to play so well there. And I think this investment into the youth program in France overall generally has, it's really starting to pay dividends, I think, at, at the top level. And um, now France are affirming as, as a real, I think, for the next three, four years up into their World Cup in 2023. I think that they're, they're a team really on the rise here and a team that's exciting but also gets results, um, which it's probably only happened over the last year or two. And I think it just it's going to take a little longer for the Wallabies to rise to that level. 
Um, but Rennie, I think, is thinking that way, and that's probably why he's blooding so many of these under-20s players now, because in a couple of years down the track, I think they'll be really ready for test football and, and have those combinations in place. I think it's important, though, you know, if we're going to go with a young 9 and 10, we have to be patient, and no results won't just come um, immediately. So, like you say, Arch, I think France, a team to look out for, and Ireland looked quite old on the weekend compared to that sprightly young French team. So um, maybe a changing of the guard slightly in the Six Nations. Absolutely, and it will give us even more of an idea when we actually see what happens when you throw a few wild cards like Georgia and Fiji into the mix um, in this next competition. So we have, obviously, Bledisloe 4. Leo, you've already alluded to it. They're sort of a little bit maybe underpowered though I don't think you can really call any All Blacks team underpowered, um, but a bit of a change in terms of their starting lineup. Mwanga drops out, has a rest for this game. Bowden goes back to 10, Geordie to 15. Nani Lamapi comes in at 12. Severis comes back on a, on a wing as well. Um, and you get Akira Iwani getting his debut in the back row there, coming in at 6. And Ardi coming back in um, after missing last game for the... Um, birth of his child back home comes in to start at eight there this this is still a team that just it doesn't look like there's really any weaknesses to it not that i can see at least yeah like they've just got such incredible depth um the the all blacks continue to just bring guys forward they can rest great players like moanga and they slip Bowden back into five eight they put geordie at, um is it geordie at fullback and mckenzie on the Mackenzie on, on the, the bench. On the bench as well. And, um, yeah, Artie Severe back into number eight. Kiriwani, who I've, I know like I know he's been very hot and cold over the years, but it feels like he's already had at least a, an All Blacks de- debut. So uh, amazing that this is only just coming now. Um, yeah, they, they just look strong no matter what. There's, there's a few extra... Um, Blues and, and Crusaders and things in there. They're just bolstered no matter where you look. Um, Nani Lamapi at 12 with Bowden. Like, this is old Hurricanes combinations. Um, there's certainly certainly no shortage of talent. Um, and, and they've got this luxury. They've, they've s- sewn up the cup. They can, they can put a few guys who've only had a run off the bench or missed out altogether. Guys like Brad Weber um, and some of the other um, bench debutants with Almar and Colin Grace and Will Jordan again another player for the future. Like this is this is how you want to be finishing a series where you've already got the silverware and now in you know what is going to be a hotly contested final game and high energy against a team that's looking to regain some respect. You can put a guy like Will Jordan into the cauldron and say this is what it's like. You know, go play your natural game, play our system, um, experience it without the hangups of of something to take home. Um, whereas poor us, we're, we're basically throwing our debutants into a dead rubber and in, you know, they've got to be half a mind. Like this doesn't really mean anything. It's my first game. So I want to play well, but it doesn't have that extra edge of something to play for. So, um, yeah, very, very envious of the situation. The All Blacks continue to create for themselves, blooding these new players into successful team groups. I'd say the one thing, that they've got to play for at least Australia's James Slipper will play his 100th game. Um, they're at Suncorp, which, uh, you know, there's a tremendous achievement for him. 
and we've seen it obviously with Simmons, Hooper, these type of guys getting there, but Slipper, um, well-deserved and, you know, a long way away from where he was when he'd left the Reds a couple of years ago and wasn't having the best time of it. So he's turned things around and I think he's been one of our most consistent players across this, this series and I think that reflects in the fact he's been selected at loose head props starting for all four games. Mm-hmm. Um, so well done to him. Um, but yeah, if I look at this All Blacks team, you know, if you'd name this for the first test this year, I'd be like, yeah, that sounds reasonable to me. It looks strong across the board and that's a worry. I think when you have the luxury to, to rest and rotate players and you still look like you're playing a pretty full-strength team, then you know the depth is there. And the Wallabies just don't have that luxury at the moment. I think the squad that we've chosen and stuck with across this this series will actually take us through the next four years or so. But in terms of being comfortable with some of the names in our 23, I think I'm a, a little way away from that. Um, you know, Angus Bell comes in at loosehead. That'll be a good debut for him. Um, he's on the bench. But there's, a, there's still a few question marks in selections here that probably we'll discuss now that, you know, gives me a bit of concern that this could be another blowout against the All Blacks if we don't get our, get our game together. Well, the, the good thing I find, one, is we're playing at Suncorp, which generally we always play pretty well at. We always tend to have good games um, playing up there in Brisbane. Based on this selection, do you think Rennie's trying to win this game? Or is he trying to blood people for the future? Is he looking ahead? Personally, I think he's trying to win the game, and you know, you don't want to, you don't want three wins and you know three losses in a row against the All Blacks. You know, that's that hasn't actually happened for quite a while. I don't think we generally get one of the games every year, and I know obviously we got the draw in the first one, but you you do want to actually be building confidence, and so. The selections in the fours, I think, indicate that he still wants to be contesting this game. And, you know, there's less rotation in that. I think it's just the back line that we're a little concerned with. Mm. Um, and, you know, to be honest, a few of those selections have been forced by virtue of last week's performance and also a couple of key injuries. Yeah, so changes really in the forward pack. It's the same starting front row. Rob Simmons comes in for Luke Hansalakai Lotto. Um, injury there, and Lockie Swinton gets his debut coming in at six for Hannigan, and you retain Hooper and Wilson, who have started every game in this series so far. Yeah, exactly. Good continuity out of them. I think that's that's earned. Swinton, I I see is just like a a guy who, you know, wild card. Yeah, wild card. Very abrasive. Red card. Yeah, could, could be a source of many penalties. Could be, you know trying to just match up with the Shannon Frizzells and um, Kiri, or I suppose he's not actually playing, is he? No, it's Akira Yuani and um, Adi Severe. Like, you know, imagine those guys going I could see, sort of head-to-head. I, like, I could see Swinton and Akira getting in a bit of a, a yeah, bust-up. Yeah, scuffle. <laughs> yeah, scuffle. I could see him getting a scuffle with Adi Severe and Adi Severe just standing back and laughing at him. <laughs> but, like, you know, it's it's... It's it's a mixture. Like yes, it's you know you're playing for individual honors. You might be playing honor James Slipper. You might be playing because it's your debut. You know you don't want to lose your first game as a Wallaby. Um, I guess Dave Rennie has the opportunity to say, well, you know this game doesn't matter completely. Am I better off to give some of my young guys 
a taste of what it is like to play the All, Bar- All Blacks to give them a benchmark. And then after that, you've got a couple of games versus Argentina. You've got a couple of weeks off to prepare, I should say. The, the All Blacks come and, and play Argentina first, and then we play uh, two in a row, I think. And then, and then you know, we've got um, a lot of time off after that. So you're going to give them a benchmark and then say, okay, let's, let's get in there and see if we can make a contest with Argentina. And they'll be reflecting back on just the intensity of the All Blacks game and maybe other games will feel easier after that. I don't think there should be any lack of motivation with this. I mean, if we win this game, suddenly things look a little ro- more rosy. We've got a win and a draw and two losses. And I mean, look, we lost the Bledisloe Cup. We've done that for 18 years straight. I don't think it's too surprising at this point. But if Rennie comes in, I think it's respectable if you win a game, um, you know, keep Suncorp as a strong place to play for the Wallabies. I think there's a lot of motivations for these individual players and particularly leading into Argentina where... We're hopefully going to see a bit more, a bit more pay from our attack, and mm. you know, I get the sense we might dominate a team like Argentina at this point, given we've been hardened by this All Blacks team over the, the four games. But it's and, really about next year and beyond. And you have to think that there's a lot of positions that are going to be up for grabs, really. Like Rennie's shown that he's not afraid to change selections around, but if you put together a really good performance and a winning performance that's when you start to solidify yourself into a position in this um, 23 squad for maybe the rest of this year, if not starting next year as well. well. If you look at the players that have been selected and probably will play all four games starting, what have you got? James Slipper, you got Matt Phillip, Michael Hooper, Harry Wilson, Nick, Nick White, White, Marika Korobiti, and that's it, I believe. So, that's starters, yep. A lot of guys that I'd be picking in my first team as well, pretty much straight off the bat. Like, there's not many guys there that I'd, I'm too surprised that have retained their, their spots. Um, they've been consistent. You know, Matt Phillips done enough, and maybe that's you know, down to depth a little bit in the locks. We don't have a lot of people to come into the team if he was to have an off performance, but I think he's been pretty decent. Um, but yeah, it's. It, I think it's just our playmaking at the moment is a little, a little difficult to negotiate. Reese Hodge at ten, I didn't like it when he came on on the weekend in Sydney. I thought that was, you know, almost it was it was a selection headache for us because, you know, you always want Hodge on the bench as a utility. I think he offers a lot, but then having Hunter Paisami there as well, then where's your playmaker? I mean. Would Will Harrison have helped being sitting there on the bench to blood him? I'm not. I'm not sure. I'm not sure it would have made things any better. But now Reese Hodge starting at ten, I feel like that's such a makeshift pick, and it's it's what, disappointing what that we're in a position otherwise? that we have to make that. Well, I just don't, I think it speaks to Rennie not being comfortable at all having Noah there from a defensive point of view. Mm. I don't think he trusts him, and I, I think it's it's almost out of necessity that he had to pick him on the bench um, than anything. And maybe that's just to keep some sort of confidence levels of Noah there that he's still participating in the team. But don't expect him to get a whole lot of game time unless we're in front. Is that yeah? That's... Is that the reason that um, we were proposing John O'Lance making an appearance in the squad earlier in the year, you think? That's, yeah, that's, that was my line, but I understand you, you can't just carry every fly half in the country. But 
if you look at who you could have, you know, Hodge versus Jono Lance, if they'd called him into the squad a week ago when they called a couple of other people in when they knew about these injuries, they might be feeling a little bit more comfortable putting him in hey, by now. He'd play on one one hour's notice. Like he'd be oh, there. Oh, of course he, he would. He's just he he's the type of guy that can prepare quickly because he's he's a savvy veteran of the game. Um, I probably would have had him in the squad over Will Harrison, to be honest. I think having Noah there, fine. He, his form in Super Rugby demanded that. Tamua, we shouldn't be treating him as a 10, as we've talked about. Jock, I think, earned his spot. And then I think Jonah Lance would have been a really nice person to have around the group and would have got us out of, out of trouble in this situation. Um, but what can you do now? That's it's not the case. And Hodgie, I'm sure, will do a, a decent job there at 10, but he's not... He's not really a ten. We yeah, know that. We've he talked played about there for this the before, and he's and he's played one game um, starting for the Wallabies versus Japan um, a few years ago before yeah. our spring tour as a ten, which we won, and yeah, but really Japan. didn't see quite enough of what people wanted to see from him there, and the fact that he's never really had any sort of long term at that position, you wonder whether he's going to be able to create the same sort of options in attack that what they hoped um, Noah would be able to do and what Jock was able to do. It's interesting because we we kind of were thinking, well, he could play fullback for us this week. We thought he spent a bit of time on the bench. We think 15 is probably his best position. DHP didn't didn't really light the world on fire in that game, last game. So, yeah, I, I think it's reasonable he's been left out. Tom Banks is probably our preferred option, really, if he can hit some top form. But Hodge as well, I think, is a good option there at 15. Thing is, at the moment, we're in a situation where Reese Hodge is playing a position he, he doesn't probably prefer, but because he's capable, like he's capable of playing centre, like he's capable of playing wing, he's he's in there. And yeah. again, he's, and you he's might making the, the 23 same... every week. And you might say the same thing about Hunter Paisami. 12 is probably not his preferred position, but now because he's shown propensity to be able to play it and he hasn't crumbled under the pressure of um, international games, now he's starting at your 12 with Patea and 13 and Dalgunu finally gets pushed to the bench because they want to give someone else like Tom Wright comes back into the field. Yeah, and like, to be honest, Hunter Paisami, I think, is a decent 12 option. I think... In my mind, I almost have it, had him pegged as a 12 over a 13. Um, I think the way he has his direct running, his defensive capabilities at 12, I think he's like a poor man's nanny la Marpy and attack a little bit. But defensively, he will he will hit any 10 or 12 as hard as anyone. And I think that's that's the strength that we're going to have. Simone is not probably as strong defensively as Paisami, but he offers more in attack. So we're trading that out a little bit. But, you know... We saw how important defence is in these last two games. We've conceded too many points, and so I think there'll be a huge focus on that. We know Reese Hodge is a—he's a big body, he's a good defender, he's consistent. Paisami, you know, he's—he's he's a great defender, one of the best in the team. Um, Patea still learning the ropes at 13, but I think he's capable. Hasn't made too many errors there yet. Um, and yeah, the back three—it'd be interesting. There's a lot of attack there. I think Tom Ryden. Tom Banks, again, combination from the Brumbies and not going to leave Marika out. So I think there's plenty of firepower out wide. It's just the platform well. It's just whether they can get the ball out to them. 
Yeah, I think it's, it's going to start with the forwards and the forwards got shown up a little bit last week. I think that's where we really need to turn things around. And the I mean, maybe team, that's where the whole team was shown Swinton. up. The whole, yeah, the whole team just, struggled with like we... just ball security and, um, you know, just general execution of skills. Like if, if, if you're under pressure, your passes have to be on target. And if they're a little bit wayward, you start throwing the ball at people's, you know, back shoulder when they're trying to make a hard run at the line and, we lose the ball, and so it's incumbent on every player this week whether they set themselves up to have an easier time by you know, expecting a bit less of each phase, coming from a bit deeper, taking the ball a bit earlier until they get into the swing of things, then start amping it up. Um, you've got to work your way into the game and, and reduce these errors so that you can get some forward momentum, so the forwards can set a good platform, so the backs can do what they do. Like I'm really excited to see Tom Wright because I think... He's had moments in in the Super Rugby competition this year that were, you know, really really impressive. Like he's got the some of the skill set of a five eighth with speed of a winger and you know great sort of all round kicking game. Real real good variety. We need to get the ball in his hands a lot. We need to get the ball in Marika's hands, running his hard lines a lot. Um, we need to get one on ones for for Banks to to try and you know get out in the open and use his speed as well. So. That that can only happen if every player makes, you know, just ball security and and you know, re, um, recycling a really sort of high priority. And and you've got to make it more important than getting the extra meter or, um, you know, hitting hitting the hole perfectly. You've got to make sure you got the ball before you try and do anything else. I think this defense needs to be a huge focus this week, and yeah, not forcing passes. Breakdown work, obviously, we need to secure our ball. But I think, yeah, set piece and defense as well. It's like we have to have a solid line out. We have to have some dominance in the scrum, and hopefully that comes to fruition. I don't think this all-black scrum by any means is is something we're too worried about. I think we do have the the players there to, to upset them a little bit in that area. But, yeah, we've just got to come out all guns blazing, but in a smart way, not like a Dalgunu way where you get sent off and then... You're on the back foot. It's just, likely I said, you're a professional. You need to to rise to the occasion. With the pressures off a little bit here, I think that's that's true. Like, there's, there's going to be less pressure in this game. The series is gone. You're playing for pride more than anything else. You're at Suncorp. Hopefully it's not raining. Hopefully it's a dry track. Um, we, we've got the players there. We just, we need some time to form these combinations properly and, adapt to, I think, Rennie's system. But the signs are there. There's positive signs. It's just last week was, was pretty pretty terrible um, after Eden Park, which wasn't wasn't great either. Yeah, and just to add to the comments about defence, like I, I think the Wallabies have a fairly good defensive structure and I think individually the players in, in that structure are perfectly capable of containing the All Blacks. It, the problem comes when we turn the ball over and we're not in the structure and we're scrambling. And really, a lot of the points that were scored last week were scored out of the counter, not from a not from just a break in a set defence. I think there was there was one run. I think it was Geordie's run, wasn't it, where we were shifting a little bit, but we basically just ran hard between two tied forwards and they didn't close up. And when that doesn't happen that often, you don't see guys making a break dead straight through the middle very often. So the key to having a successful defensive performance is to not 
give the All Blacks opportunities to attack our broken defence. If we can just contain the ball, and if we if it's their ball, it's their ball because it was their set piece, not because we handed it over to them three times in five minutes. And we'll be a much more successful defensive side if we're actually, you know, doing it from from the structure and, and not not from just counter ball. Do we need those players to get into the ruck and slow down All Black ball a bit more as well? Maybe, but that can't be your like that can't be a priority all the time, and it might not even be an option um, when they're on the counter. Like I, I would, I would look at the All Blacks as a team where once they're on the counter, you've pretty much already lost um, because they're just so elite in that situation. Like you're not going to unless you can um, make a really great tackle, which even drives them back and gives your line a chance to reset. The priority just has to be make the tackles, make the tackles, and and close up the space. It can't be commit extra guys to the breakdown because I think it's just high risk, high reward, but yeah. just the risk is too great. In in our normal um, defensive tactics, I think you've got to space the back rowers out. You you want to give guys opportunity to, to peel for the ball. Um, the All Blacks have been very standoffish. That's why I've, I've noticed they've been going for more of that stand-up strip on the ball. Um, a guy like Akira Iwani, he might be all over that. He, that might be a mode for him in this game, someone to watch. But um, we, we can't afford to just throw a whole lot of guys in the ruck. That's why I like having the specialist guys who pick their opportunities. They, they sort of range and they they work with their defense around them and say, okay, well, I'm going to step the, I'm going to step off here and let you make the contact. Then I'm in over the ball. And when the opportunities come, we need to we need to act on them. I, I think Hooper's been doing a little bit more. It'd be interesting to see if Swinton uh, puts a hand on it at all. Because mm. Swinton is an enforcer and he does have capabilities at that break breakdown to pilfer. I think we just got to mix it up a little bit and have players doing that. As you say, Leo, when they see the opportunity, they pick their opportunity and they really go for it. And apart from that, you don't overcommit to the ruck so that you're not short on the defensive line. Because um, you're right, the All Blacks tend to just they pick their opportunity as well, and so they they barely ever get caught short. Um, yeah. I've, I've just given us a wrap for structured defence, but I'm also now remembering how last week off, I think it was a scrum or a line-out uh, on the left side of the field, the All Blacks went one phase to the right. All our guys came... Oh, yeah, it was a line-out that turned into a mall. That was, they went one phase no, towards uh, the centre of the field. Was it a scrum? Yeah. Well, what, regardless, all the Jordy was on the wing. Up. Someone was on the wing, other wing pointing, like, kick it to me. And then they just went blind with Hoskins Satutu taking it off the back. No, 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 not that one, not that one. This is another one early in the game, and and the the entire Wallabies forward pack all shifted with that first phase toward the centre of the field, and it was about a six-on-one out the left off the next phase, and just how we didn't see that mm. um, was just bewildering. Like, as it played out, you're like, why did all of those guys just start running off in the and same direction? There's the communication, that's right, so... I would hope that that's been put up in front of them every morning and as a big slap to say, this is unacceptable. You, you cannot afford to just all, you know, head head with the ball. That's, that's you know, junior stuff, just following the ball around. You've got to spread yourselves evenly. You've got to, you got to talk. Is this a lack of a, um, a senior um, kind of general at the back? You know, mm. Nick White needs to be having these conversations. Hooper in the back row needs to be, you know, calling his guys around as well. Well, Maybe that's... if Noah was playing at fullback, was that saying that we were missing? Because usually yeah. the fullback's calling out stuff like that. 
Well, that's um, normally that was, the halfback sort of role, standing at the back of the ruck and looking out at numbers and calling people left and right um, as their sort of primary thing. So, yeah, hopefully... hopefully well, to that get... point, to that point, the first game, we were quite good in defence and we had Nick White, Matt Timmer and, and Jock, obviously, there. Yeah. A lot of experience and, and a lot of chat. And so I think it's almost since Tamua went off. And look, I don't want to give him too much credit because, you know... He's Matt a good Tamura defender, and... man. But defender, like, really. um, since he went off in that second game, that's where I think we've just we've been really struggling well, in I... the back line, actually coordinating things. Yeah, well, I mean, you had a lot of debutants, and I can't say that I see... Um, Hunter Paisami and um, Geordie Patea as the most like vocal guys. I think they're more like, I'll show what I'm doing through action sort Lead of thing. by example. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so you almost do need someone that's willing to sort of speak up and you're like, and mate, look, Hodge might be just the person you sort of need there to be shouting out because he is a good defender. He's played in the centres. He's able to cover sort of multiple sort of a lot of space out there. He's probably not going to get beat on his left or right sort of. Um, I think nine times out of ten. I think they're going to play a lot off nine this week. I think you're going to see a lot of play just directly off Nick White because yeah. I think you have to do that given the lack of playmaking options there. And maybe Tom, uh, maybe Tom Banks or Tom Wright come in. If uh, Hodgie takes it to the line, you need one of them to come in and, and be working as that pivot as well. Yeah, um, I mean... Because otherwise we're really going to be struggling. To be honest, that's why I was surprised Taniella didn't get put back up to starting because I think he is almost an extra sort of person to distribute ball just off that sort of first 10. phase. Imagine if you just selected him at 10. I, I, I do want to see them try the old Brumbies trick with Banks running straight down the side of the ruck with the old one pass out back on the inside to catch a lazy defender because yeah. I think that, that even though people know that that's coming, it's very hard to... Um, defend against when you have banks that just sees a hole and just is sprinting at full speed through it. So I hopefully will get that sort of moving this week as well, just as another element having banks back in there. I just think a commanding performance here by the Wallabies with good intent, with accuracy, could really turn things around for the next couple of games. I think if we, even if we take a loss again in this one, if it's a if it's a good loss, if it's a close loss, I think we'll take a lot of positives. Mm towards those Argentinian games where we should be favoured to win those. Absolutely. We just don't want to get slammed again. We, we can't have another 30, 40 point. I mean, it's not going to be 40, obviously, but 30, 30 odd that. points where this. we're... Yeah, that's the thing. It's We've I already mean, broken records last week. It, it could happen again. So far, so far it's gone draw, 20 point loss, 38 point loss. So it's just going up yeah. and up and up. I'm just sick the of these 30 plus point losses... Every year. Well, let's let's hope we can score more than one try in the game. I mean, yeah, that's that's a worrying sort of. I just sign don't want to leak well. points. I'd rather I'd rather just even if it was twenty to five. I don't mind if we only score one try, but I just don't want to let so many in where you see that 30, 40 points on the All Black side of the ball. It's just it's really depressing. So what are what are your tips for this game? What do you think is going to happen if you had to put money on it? Yeah. Really difficult. Um, I just checked the margin online and All Blacks 15-point favourites, which I think is pretty fair given Hodges there at 10. I think that's a, that, that could go either way. And I think I really wanted to see Jock back there. I thought that if he came back in, we'd be re- have a reasonable chance here. 
not quite sure with Hodgie there. So I think you got to pick the All Blacks. Um, I think 15's probably a pretty fair margin at this point. I'd probably go All Blacks by 20 even. Um, I just think late in the game they could easily run away with this. And particularly, look, if Hodge gets an injury, what do we do? Could be in real trouble. So, um, you know, I don't expect Noah to get a lot of game time unless we are struggling at the 5'8 position. Um, but, yeah, I, I think you've got to back the All Blacks, and I think you've got to back them pretty well. Yeah, I, um, I, I think I'm somewhere in the same area. If I was optimistic, I'd be getting on the New Zealand 1-12 to bracket, but I'm, I'm not game to tip Australia this week. I don't want to jinx it. Yeah, let's just go in with low expectations because we've been guilty of coming into seasons quite bullish and getting disappointed. I think it's time to be realistic. And, <laughs> you know, once we see those performances, which we did see in, you know, in the first game in the cakes in, we, we saw an inspiring performance and we got behind that and last to have let us down. But I think it's time to get real about things. And the Wallabies are uh, quite far off the mark that the All Blacks are setting, the benchmark. I think yeah. at the moment, World Rugby, All Blacks haven't seen the Springboks this year. The All Blacks are the top team. Having watched the Six Nations, the All Blacks would win that competition comfortably. So I think we're playing the best in the world right now. We've got to keep that in perspective. Let's let's just really fight in this one and then hopefully we can see how we fit into the picture a bit more broadly with, with a couple of games against Argentina. So what you're saying is so far we've confirmed that we're not the number one team in the world. But well, what other, are we ranked other now than that, Other than that, you don't know, okay, because it's just been too long. So uh, we've, I know, we've ruled I out know number we've... one, but everything else is open is what you're saying. I know at this point we'd probably lose to England, France, New Zealand, Springboks, that's about it, I'd say. I think we could beat everyone else. And we are... Lee, were you just saying that we are ranked fifth? I was looking I at the women's sixth. rankings. <laughs> oh, that made you feel better. We are ranked We are ranked sixth. sixth. Yeah. No, okay. I, I realised it was wrong when that. Canada was ranked third. We've um, come up a little bit because Wales has slid down. They've been quite poor. Um, I think Scotland is still below us. Argentina is still below us. Yeah. Who's above us? Ireland... France. In order, keep going. Ireland, France, um, England, New Zealand, Springbok. Yeah. That's correct. So Ireland, France, Which England, New Zealand, fair. South Africa from five to one. And we've yeah we've been just sitting at six. So even after a big loss. Um, we were seventh at the end of last year, I think. So we've come up a little bit with that draw against the All Blacks, I think. Yeah, that must I'm pretty have sure we were seventh. But, I mean, Curiously, it's not where the, we want um, to be. South Africans, what they're not obviously at the heights that the All Blacks have got to, but they are um, two and a half points clear of New Zealand. So still quite a long way uh, for New Zealand to climb. And you tend to only Let's... climb in big steps by beating the South Africans, which they're not going to get a chance to do. So that, that kind of made me you know, more aware of why South Africa made the decision they did because they can hold on yeah. to that number one ranking for quite a bit longer now. Whereas you'd have to say, if they come in slightly undercooked and, yeah, and lose the All Blacks have had, Yeah, they could have... And the All Blacks could have swept them in the in the Tri-Nations and then suddenly they're... Number one again. They might be ranked second or third in the world, mm-hmm. South Africa. So at the moment, look, they've... You know, 2020 is a write-off. But next year, they'll probably be well-prepared for the, the Rugby Championship, which we should say, Arch, they've committed to for, for the 10 years. 
Which is the good news, isn't it? There's been so much speculation, obviously with Super Rugby sort of not knowing where it's going, but the good news is Sansa have committed to another 10 years of the Rugby Championship. Australia, South Africa, New Zealand, Argentina till 2030 at least. Um, that's not to say that there could be an option of adding nations to that, but those four nations aren't going anywhere, which is, is great to see because we would have been disappointed um, to have the Springboks bail out of that competition. Um, we want to be playing the best in the world, and I think all these teams do, and that's what the Southern Hemisphere competition is. Took me by surprise a little bit this, that it is a strong commitment being 10 years rather than, say, just the five years or something yeah. like that, I think. It's more long-term than I expected, but I think it's great. And I think that probably signals that, you know, as a Six Nations unit, they have less interest of South Africa coming up and playing internationals on a full-time basis against them. So they're happy with the them coming into to pro rugby um, against teams like Munster and Leinster and the like. But internationally, I think, look, Northern Southern Hemisphere, it, it's kind of the way it's sitting at the moment, there's always been a good rivalry between those two competitions being the rugby championship or the tri-nations and the six nations um and look expansion is probably coming at some point for the rugby championship whether that's japan or fiji or someone like that who knows but maybe that's accelerated by some of the interest that the six nations or the through the autumn nations cup that's a bit of an experiment bringing mm-hmm. other teams into that and we'll see how that goes and maybe that will spark some sort of motivation for the four teams in the rugby championship to to be looking to add to that competition absolutely that's still as i said earlier a week away but we'll we'll dive in a little bit more into that um next week that that is if we're in any state to record a podcast next week depending on what happens at suncorp stadium this weekend um it may be that we disappear and hide under our (laughs) under our covers for another week before we gain the confidence to come back out into the air I did say that, didn't I, Archer? I was like, I don't know if I can do it again if we if we lose by 30 again. just Particularly when we don't have another game. I think it's almost good to have a cooling-off period, but we'll see <laughs> how things go. Got to remain somewhat positive that we can get a, a result here. Absolutely. Well, that's it. It will be, it's be up to the boys this, this Saturday night, Suncorp Stadium again, um, late Saturday night early morning if you're in the UK, even later for me over here in New Zealand. Um, but as I said, it's still another game. There's a lot to play for for these boys, a few debutants here and, and places up up for grabs in this Wallabies squad. So just want to see a little bit of hope come through, a little bit of excitement come through and some of these boys to, to play hard, play fast and, and let's see some good running rugby Make sure you're keeping up with all our social media accounts, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, at the Running Rugby Pod for Facebook, Instagram, otherwise at Running Rugby Podcast, sorry, for Facebook, Instagram, otherwise at Running Rugby Pod for Twitter. And make sure that you have subscribed, getting a good amount of listeners coming through here. So we thank you guys for tuning in each and every week. Uh, We promise we'll be a bit happier next time you hear us, whether that's uh, next week or the week after. But... Until then, as always, keep on running. Run.